Hello everybody and welcome to That's The Issue, the comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love. Uh, my name is Matt Loon and welcome along to the show. Now it's just me for this episode, um, Wes isn't feeling well, my co-host uh, who usually joins me on the show. Um, so you've just got me this week, uh, there's no guests either. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things. Um, it's always a bit weird like uh, doing a podcast on your own. Um, I know that there are plenty of people that do it. Um, Paul, who runs the uh, Comic Syllabus podcast, also on Multiversity Comics, uh, he does um, quite a bit of his show on his own. He has guests, but then he also does his actual syllabus um, that he runs through as well. Um, but for me, it's a little bit strange. I've only done it a few times, but there's plenty of stuff to talk about. There's loads of news. Uh, I want to review a few comics. and I want to talk about some book reviews as well. Um, so this is uh, the episode of That's the Issue this week. This is what I'm going to be running down with you. Um, so news-wise, uh, we've got Marvel's Fresh Start to talk about, um, all the um, new announcements of number one issues that are coming out from uh, from Marvel um, over the next few months. Uh, the Black Panther movie, I went and saw it, it was amazing, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, Emerald City Con Con uh, was out, uh, was this weekend, just gone. Um, would love to um, share a few thoughts on that. There wasn't too many announcements, it was more kind of consolidating things that we already know, um, but we can talk about that as well. Um, Image Expo, uh, Image Expo was last week, um, and that was uh, so many announcements coming out of that, it was so hard to keep up with it, but uh, I found a few articles online uh, that kind of shared all of their, um, all of the announcements that came out from that. Uh, and then also I'll talk about the Sandman universe, uh, the new announcement of comics uh, that are coming out from um, Neil Gaiman and DC uh, Comics, like a smaller imprint that they're doing as well. Um, and there's also a mature DC Comics imprint, um, uh, black label, uh, that's coming out as well that I'll, uh, I'll talk about. Uh, reviews of comics then, I want to talk about uh, the Terrifics number one uh, from DC and um, the uh, Doom Patrol JLA special, also from DC Comics. Uh, and I'm going to go into like Milk Wars uh, in general uh, because that is a series, an event that boggled my mind and uh, I didn't completely understand uh, a lot of it. A few of the references went over my head, but I do want to talk about that as well. And then also I'm going to be talking about Is This Guy For Real? Uh, the new biography of um, of Andy Kaufman that uh, Box Brown did. Uh, Box Brown, who you may remember from uh, the Andre the Giant book and uh, the Tetris um, history of te the game Tetris as well that he released uh, a couple of years ago. Um, those are my uh, reviews of comics and comic books and graphic novels. Um, but then I'm also going to go into um, a few book reviews. Um, now, again, they are comics related. Um, so the first one is Comic Shop by Dan Guirino, um, which is quite a new one. And it's um, the reason why I want to talk about books um, in general. Um, on this uh, show because I've only started reading it the other day. I got it um, got it the other day and started reading through it. 
and it's it's brilliant so far. It's really hooked me. Um, I wish I had more time to just actually sit and dedicate myself to books because I've never put them down. But um, but there we go. I've read uh, read what I can, uh, what I can when I can, and it's um, it's a really good book. It's really interesting. It's fascinating, and it got me thinking about the other comic book related novels um, that I've read over the years. Um, so I'll be recommending a few of those books that if you're interested in comic books, if you're interested in the history of comic books, um, or if you're interested in um, the medium as a whole, as opposed to reading fictional stories about the actual characters in those universes, um, then stick with me um, for the um, last part of the show as I talk about some uh, some issues, uh, some novels, some actual prose books um, and digital um, novels that I'll be um, I'll be recommending if you're interested in uh, in learning about the history of comics. Um, and so that's the show, really. Um, apologies if it's uh, if it's a little bit different. Uh, it's kind of a last minute scramble, really, to to get um, something together for you. But I didn't want to I didn't want to let you down. I didn't want to um, not produce anything for you. Uh, I have to say I've been doing quite a lot of planning behind the scenes, trying to get um, trying to get some. Uh, guests lined up and got some great list, uh, guests lined up for the show um, that I won't uh, I won't spoil here but um, just know that over the next month or two we've got some uh, fantastic people coming onto the show to uh, to share the comics um, that are important to them and we'll get to know them through the issues that they love as well um, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I want to know your thoughts really and um, before we dive into the show uh, I just want to kind of say here I'd really like to know what you guys think of the show so far it's still relatively new I mean me and Wes have been recording this show generally speaking for um, you know just over a year now uh, so we started really with um, an issue uh, started with a zero episode talking about uh, DC Comics Rebirth number one when that just came out uh, so that was uh, kind of a good um, line in the sand of you know being able to identify exactly when we started the the, uh, the podcast um, and since then we've had numerous guests on, the format's kind of gone up and down, we did like a whole review series on um, on Secret Empire uh, when that came out, which turned out to be a mistake, um, but, um, but you know we learned a lot about, um, about following events and storylines, and we've got some ideas of what we want to do with the show moving forward, um, not just having guests on, but also talking about uh, maybe looking through a, a, ru a run on comics. So picking a classic comics run, something like maybe um, Avengers by uh, Kurt Busiek, um, and um, and obviously a few different artists on there. Um, but we we wanted to dive into uh, maybe a series like that, like a classic run, and um, and and really see what we think of individual issues moving forward and kind of build um, build towards something so build up a body of work because uh, there are some podcasts that that build something like um, Friends of the Show, Hass, uh, Hassan Otman Alhau and Kieran Shiak do Under the Hood Pod which you know is slowly but surely building up a complete uh, analysis of the Watchmen uh, comics by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons and it's that's that's great. I really want to you know explore that kind of space. The idea of having um, a podcast that you can have a finite end to it, almost. Um, not that we want to end. That's the issue. But there could be segments of the show that we can uh, run. And but I want to know your thoughts on it as uh, as listeners to the show. If you're listening to this for the first time, uh, welcome along. Um, there's a few other episodes back uh, that you can also listen to right here on multiversitycomics.com. Um, but also. Um, 
If you've listened to a few episodes now and you've got thoughts, I'd love to hear them as well. Um, so uh, I'll be um, sharing with you the ways you can get in touch with the show um, at the end of the episode. Uh, so stick, in, um, stick with us for that as well. And I say us, it is just me. Um, but, um, but that's it, yeah. So let's dive into some news. Uh, let's have a look at um, some of the series that are coming out through Marvel's Fresh Start. Um, so there is quite a few announcements so far. Um, I heard reports that there's going to be 11 announcements. Um, and uh, as we go through, we'll see how many that they've, uh, they've announced so far. Um, but I'll just talk through them in the order that they were announced. Um, so we, first of all, we had, um, I think this was the first one anyway, Donny, Cates and uh, Ryan Stegman uh, relaunching uh, Venom with a new number one. Now, if you have listened to the show at all or you've read any of my writing on Multiverse Comics, you'll know that I love Donny Cates. Um, I'd love to get him on the show to talk to him about all of the work that he's done. Um, really enjoying his creator-owned work, so God Country that came out last year, and uh, Baby Teeth and Redneck, which are uh, both, uh, well, uh, Baby Teeth is uh, from Aftershock, and um, Redneck is from Image Comics. Both fantastic series uh, in their own right, and then he's moved across to, uh, he's moved across to Marvel now, um, where he's also um, writing Doctor Strange at the moment, he's writing Thanos at the moment, um, and he's going to be writing uh, Venom um, with uh, Ryan Stegman uh, on art, and that looks to be looks to be good. I mean, I'm not a huge Venom person; like, I'm not really interested in watching the movie when it comes out. Um, and um, but it's you know, I'm always interested in in fresh starts, so to speak, as it were, um, and interested in reading new number one, seeing if it's a good jumping on point for me. Um, and so, obviously, Donny Cates' name to it is uh, is something that appeals to me as well, so I'll be definitely be diving into that. Um, the big first announcement, I can't believe I've literally just said, oh, Venom was the first one. It wasn't. The big new um, issue uh, or new comic that's coming out is going to be um, Avengers. Uh, so there's always an Avengers comic. Uh, and since Brian Bendis' involvement with Avengers Disassembled and the new Avengers in 2004, 2005, I think it was, um, Avengers has become the um, the flagship book um, throughout Marvel Comics over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. And this doesn't look like it's going to be changing anytime soon. Now, they diversified the uh, the line. They split the line uh, for, a, for a while. So there was New Avengers and Mighty Avengers that came out of Civil War. And then over recent years, that's kind of split down again. So we had Uncanny Avengers uh, following Avengers versus X-Men. Uh, there's also um, US Avengers and um, as long as, as well as well as Avengers and Champions. So all of those books um, seem to be coming under one primary Avengers title um, through Fresh Start, uh, and that's going to be launching in May, uh, which is you know, feels really soon. Um, but uh, they had promo art by uh, Jim Chung showing off a roster of characters that includes uh, X-Men and Fantastic Four, which is reassuring, um, because they've uh, they've been on the outs they've been on the outs for a little while now. Over the past eighteen months or so, they've kind of made a resurgence. Um, the piece of art has got Spider-Man front and centre. Uh, it's got Captain America, Iron Man, um, Thor, Odinson, Venom, Captain Marvel, Black Panther. Um, and all the you know defenders from the Netflix series, as well as um, movie characters like uh, Doctor Strange and obviously Spider-Man, Captain America, 
But then they've got the thing, Ben Grimm, who is the GOAT. He's my hero. He's the legend that is. Um, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. And they've got Wolverine, brand uh, new young man Logan, um, that uh, has returned recently to uh, comics, as well as Black Panther, who's uh, the biggest thing in the world right now. Um, so that looks great. That's going to be by uh, Jason Aaron, who is, I don't think he's coming off his run on Thor. I think he's continuing his Thor run. Um, however, um, that's going to be um, fantastic. That's going to be a, um, I'm, I am really optimistic about it. Uh, I'll not you know, overly optimistic about uh, Fresh Start as a whole, which I'm sure we can talk about near the end. But generally speaking, I love, I've, I've really enjoyed Avengers comics. Mark Wade's run has been a bit up and down. Um, but generally speaking, I love the idea of an, one Avengers title, uh, a core run. I've really been enjoying the No Surrender um, series that's been ongoing at the moment, the kind of event uh, that is leading into the Fresh Start. Um, and that's done a done a similar thing where it's consolidated all the different various issues, or the various series into one Avengers umbrella. Um, and so having a core flagship book that uh, you guide you through the major events of the um, Marvel Universe seems right, and it seems right to have that be the Avengers. Um, so it'd be interesting to uh, to see uh, to see where they go with that series as well. Um, next up, we have a new Black Panther series. So, yeah, Black Panther is the biggest thing in the world right now. Um, it's uh, Tanahisi Coates and uh, Daniel Acuna uh, who are going to be diving into the idea of a galactic empire of Wakanda, uh, which sounds incredible. So, I am one of those people that have been not trade waiting exactly for Black Panther, but I've been uh, Coates's run. I have read the first volume and loved but then I wanted to kind of read it in chunks I wanted to really dedicate some time to it and as always happens when you do that if you've uh, if you're the kind of person that does that as well um as always what happens then you just end up forgetting about it not forgetting but kind of not really finding the time to sit down and read it since watching Black Panther since loving 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 Black Panther which again I'll talk about in a little bit um I have dived into comics in a major way so I've got Marvel Unlimited. I'm going to go back and read Christopher Priest's run on Black Panther. Uh, the Black Panther Annual number one came out um, last week, and that was brilliant. And I really want to dive back into um, Coates, uh, Coates and um, Brian Stelfreeze's run on Black Panther um, moving forward. And I'm going to try and really catch up with that over the next couple of days. Um, and what I've read so far is is as good as everyone says it is. So if you've seen the movie and you want to know where to go with comics as well, Pick up uh, a nation under under our feet, a nation under our feet, uh, which is uh, the start of the Coates and Stealthy's run. Um, read through that, you know, go on Comixology or um, or Marvel Unlimited and start reading through those, and then do what I'm going to do and go back further and read uh, Christopher Priest's run from the late '90s, uh, which is for many people the definitive Black Panther run, and it's also where a lot of um, stuff. Uh, a lot of the Killmonger stuff, a lot of the um, um, Everett Ross stuff comes from. The Dora Milaje was uh, was created for that run. So a lot of the stuff that you see from the movie came from the Christopher Priest um, run. So definitely uh, that's worth diving into. Anyway, this new series that's coming out, new, brand new number one for the Black Panther. I mean, I could go into the idea of 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 numbering renumbering these series and really being a turn off for 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 readers casual readers anyway um but i'll i'll, I'll cover that in my um 
in my kind of summary of fresh start in, uh, in a few minutes but that is that's basically what's um what's going on with uh, with that series and i think it's unfortunately going to suffer because of another number one issue but hopefully the creative team involved um, and how they package the volumes near the end of the run uh, when they collect the run is is going to be important um speaking of um Jason Aaron, who is on the Avengers, he is staying with Thor, and there is a brand new number one uh, series for Thor, and it's Thor Odinson. So we still don't quite know what happens with Jane Foster Thor. Uh, I mean, the the current arc, uh, if you like, of comics that uh, is covered in the Mighty Thor is called the Death of uh, the Death of Thor. So you know, we kind of imagine that she is, uh, you know, she's not gonna not gonna continue going on. And part of the reason for that as well is this fact that she's not in any of the fresh start um, images. Which again, she wouldn't be because even if she does survive in some capacity, they're not gonna spoil her staying around by putting a splash her all over promo images. Um, however, the fact that Thor Odinson is gonna be back, he's got some form of hammer. It looks like he's gonna be using like a whole array of different hammers, so he, he might not. He might still not be worthy, uh, you know. He might still not be worthy of Mjolnir. Mjolnir might have gone off with um, with Jane Foster's Thor. Um, who knows? We will find that out um, in time. But uh, Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo, um, they did brilliant work on um, where I think it was it's uh, Weird World, yeah, for uh, for Secret Wars. They did a uh, mini series called Weird World, and Mike Del Mundo has got. Is fantastic. He does. He's done some Avengers issues. He did the Electra miniseries, um, and he worked on Weird World. So he's going to be um, exploring that kind of um, new, new cosmic landscape with Jason Aaron on Thor Odinson, which is awesome because Delmondo has got this cosmic, weird, um, strange, dreamlike, um, uh, dreamlike um, style to his to his art, and that is really in line or in keeping with my favourite kind of Thor comics, like the kind of the weird, the strange, the Kirby, the Simonson, Thor stuff. Um, I've, I've always been a fan of Thor, so I like, you know, I even like Straczynski's stuff, which a lot of people um, have said they, they're not fans of. Um, I, I enjoy that as well. However, that's more, um, that feels more grounded, whereas I like the more ridiculous, outlandish stuff with Thor. With Thor. Uh, so that'll be coming out in May, uh, in June, sorry, um, and so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Donny Cates is back with another um, series um, or a mini series rather called uh, about Cosmic Ghost Rider. So if you've been reading Thanos uh, with uh, with Jeff Shaw uh, on art, uh, you'll know that uh, Old Man Thanos, a future King Thanos has got this cosmic ghost rider and if you read the latest issue of thanos which is number 16 i think um you'll know the the history the origin story of Go cosmic ghost rider and spoilers if you uh, you know skip few skip ahead a few minutes if you want to kind of not know who the cosmic ghost rider is even though it's probably been everywhere at this point um the cosmic ghost rider is um frank castle um so in Frank Castle's, in a, a future for Frank Castle, um, Marvel Comics timelines being what they are, uh, you'll we see that Frank Castle is the only surviving superhero from Thanos's major battles. Um, he um, gains the powers of the uh, the Ghost Rider, um, Spirit of Vengeance, and then he becomes um, a Herald of Galactus, 
And then when Galactus is killed by Thanos, he becomes Thanos' right-hand man. Um, and it's just fantastic to kind of see that weird and wild um, character. Thanos issue 16 is one of the best issues of superhero comics I've read in the last few years. Like Hands down, it's absolutely brilliant. It does exactly what I expected and what I knew that Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw could do when they came on to Thanos from God Country. Um, everything cosmic, everything um, throwing everything at the wall, absolutely brilliant stuff. So really um, looking forward to seeing a mini-series by that, uh, by that, uh, by Donny Cates that explores Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, and there's also a multiple man title. So Jamie Madrox um, is the multiple man um, who is um, who is a mutant. He's one of the X-Men, or he was one of the X-Men. Um, he was the leader of X-Factor when Peter David did uh, the X-Factor. And... Um, he is exactly what it says on the tin. He's able to um, multiply, so there's multiple versions of himself. We did see him die or get killed um, in um, in Avengers, uh, in X Men versus Inhumans, um, or along uh, around that time anyway. We saw him killed by the Mpox virus, the Terrigen Mist created um, mutant virus that uh, ended up killing quote unquote um, Cyclops as well. Uh, but anyway, there is a new mini series coming out um, by Matthew Rosenberg and Andy McDonald. And Marcus Martin does the covers, so I mean, you know, Marcus Martin's covers are probably worth buying on their own. Um, but yeah, so Multiple Man looks interesting. Again, it, I mean, it's not a character that grabs me, um, never really has, but at the same time, love Matthew Rosenberg's writing. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, uh, to diving into that and seeing, um, and seeing what that miniseries is all about. Um, something that is very exciting is The Immortal Hulk. Um, so Al Ewing is going to be doing a new Hulk series. Um, called the Immortal Hulk. Now, if you've been following the um, if you've been following the Avengers No Surrender storyline, you'll know that Hulk is kind of slowly coming back. Um, the last issue specifically, he was the full final splash page spoilers. Um, but uh, but yeah, Immortal Hulk is uh, is coming back, and it's going to be horror slanted comic. Now, Hulk is a character that is easily um, easily suited for horror. Uh, he's got uh, that kind of old Marvel EC Comics monster monster vibe that uh, a lot of the early Marvel comics was uh, ported over basically from their from their previous iterations of comics. So um, like Kirby's monsters from Fantastic Four and Hulk was this you know hulking beast that was also a flawed human. Um, such was um, Marvel's uh, Marvel's house style at the time. You know the flawed human that is a hero. Um, and so Al Ewing, who is, as far as I'm concerned, is the best writer, uh, or you know, among the top three or four best writers that Marvel have got at the moment, they should be giving Al Ewing anything he wants. And hopefully they have done. Hopefully he wanted uh, Hulk, and hopefully he's uh, going to really sink his teeth into a horror slanted uh, take on an incredible Hulk that, by the name, as the name Immortal Hulk suggests, cannot die. So um, the idea that uh, Hawkeye. Um, Clint Barton uh, shot a gamma irradiated arrow into Hulk, seemingly killing him uh, during Civil War II. We all knew that that wasn't wasn't going to last, um, and it hasn't. And he's uh, he's back in this. But the idea that Bruce Banner can be killed, but Hulk cannot, and whenever Hulk comes back, Bruce Banner comes back with him. That's fantastic. You know, that's really kind of intriguing. It's a new take on it. It's something that. Um, 
I'm really interested to see developed. And it's going to be Al Ewing is going to be writing it, Joe Bennett is going to be on pencils, and Alex Ross is doing uh, these fantastic covers for it. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's out in uh, June as well. Um, and that was uh, announced as a fresh start title. Uh, there's also um, Amazing Spider-Man is getting another relaunch. This is the first, this is the you know sixth number one issue. <laughs> I don't know, but it feels as though they've had number one issues for Amazing Spider-Man constantly over the last um, over the last four or five years. But again, that's Marvel's model, and they're doing more number ones, which again I'll touch on in a minute. Um, but this is going to be Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. Uh, Ryan Otley's um, work looks brilliant, looks fantastically suited for Amazing Spider-Man. What do I think of Nick Spencer? Um, I hope and am cautiously optimistic that Nick Spencer um, brings the energy and the humour and the heart that he um, created in uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, um, where he, which he did with Steve Lieber um, a good few years ago now. I'm hoping that's the that's the Nick Spencer that we see. Uh, the Nick Spencer from uh, who you know ran the Secret Empire and Captain America books um, for the last couple of years um, had a bit of an unpleasant vibe to him on Twitter. Uh, he definitely seemed to be getting involved in arguments and getting involved in provoking conversations in negative ways on Twitter. Um, I don't know him as a person. Um, you know, I can only base my judgment on his um, online persona. Um, and his online persona was not was not someone that uh, particularly gelled with me, um, putting it lightly. And I didn't enjoy Secret Empire uh, overall. I thought it had some good moments. I thought it had some good ideas. And I thought um, the concept was sound. Uh, you know, a lot of people complained that oh god, you know, Hydra taking over the world was not something they wanted to see. I agree. It wasn't. It wasn't my first choice for a comic series. Um, uh, but if you want to know more of my thoughts on Secret Empire. Me and Wes dived into it in excruciating detail uh, as we tried to follow along with the event and got ourselves completely depressed and demoralised in the process. However, new number one, fresh start, so to speak, um, as the name suggests. So I'm really looking forward to um, picking that up. Dan Slot, I have enjoyed Dan Slot's run. Again, uh, your mileage may vary on it. Some people have not liked it at all. Some people have thought some good moments. Um, I've thought that it is time for someone new on Amazing Spider-Man, uh, which is why Chip Zdarsky's and Adam Kubert's run on Spectacular Spider-Man has been, as the name suggests, it's been spectacular, and I've really enjoyed that. So I am definitely eager to hear, uh, to read new voices on uh, on Spider-Man and his... Um, and his like, kind of rogues gallery and his supporting cast, which is among the strongest in comics. Um, and uh, the Ryan Otley's image that is advertising um, the uh, the comic, um, the new series, has a lot of that supporting cast and a lot of that rogues gallery in it. Um, Rhino seems to be taking up um, the major um, major space on the on the cover, as is uh, Lizard and the new Electro and Vulture. Um, but then also um, some of his supporting cast like Jane Jones, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, Joe Robertson, and obviously Art May. Um, so I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I want to know more about the series um, before giving it a full recommendation. Um, but yeah, that should be um, really um, something to something to look out for. You know, you you know I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, Mark Wade and Jesus Saez um, relaunched Doctor Strange, so Donny Cates is unfortunately coming off the run, uh, which is a shame because I've loved his um, run with Gabriel Hernandez Walter. Um, they're currently in the middle of uh, Damnation, which is a um, mini mini event uh, where Doctor Strange has resurrected the city of Las Vegas 
um, all the deceased people and all from uh, the um, terrible attacks in um, in Secret Empire. And so, uh, but he's paying the price for that. There's a huge uh, new demonic casino that's opened up, which is which is brilliant. Which is this kind of fun fun Marvel Comics idea of. Um, you know, Doctor Strange having to go into this casino and, uh, you know, playing on themes of the house always wins and stuff like that. So that's been really good, really enjoying that. But obviously that's coming to an end um, in June. So there's going to be a new series, Mark Wade and Jesus Saez. And a little bit like Black Panther, who is going to be exploring a galactic empire of Wakanda, uh, Doctor Strange is all, is also going into space. Um, so the, the opening image um, by um, Jesus Saez has got Doctor Strange with a kind of cosmic um, space astronaut's helmet on um, and talks about he's lost his connection to Earth's arcane power, which is something that Jason Aaron played around with um, before um, in his run Doctor Strange, but this looks like a, a newer, uh, a different take on it. Um, so Doctor Strange is going out into space to try and find a new, um, a new source of his power, uh, so that should be interesting. And then... Um, Finally, uh, the latest announcement anyway is um, Margaret Stoll and Carlos Pacheco will be doing The Life of Captain Marvel. Um, Again, it's another fresh start, so another brand new issue one. And um, Margaret Stoll has been saying that um, this run is going to be looking at um, Carol Danvers' history, her life, uh, maybe not a retelling of her origin, but an exploration of her earlier life. Um, and I'm very excited for that as well. Um, I dip in and out of Captain Marvel. Um, I have, have really enjoyed some runs. Really, you know, kind of been indifferent on other runs. But I love the character, and I've always, I'm always interested to see new takes on the character. I think um, her film's going to be great as well when that comes out. So I'm really looking forward to uh, that new series coming out as well. Uh, so that's all the um, Marvel fresh start news um, that's been out there at the moment. Um, so you know the news. Uh, Image Expo came out. And there was a lot, a lot, a lot of announcements um, that uh, that came out from um, from Image Expo. Um, so I'm only going to run down a couple of them. There are plenty of, if you search for Image Expo 2018, you'll find all the announcements online. Uh, there's a humble bundle going on at the moment, which is Image Comics, which is insane. Um, it's got so many comics on there. And if you um, if you buy any of the levels, you will get the Image Expo um, sampler book. I think that's from any level anyway, but have a look because the Image Expo sampler is on that Humble Bundle and you can only get it from Humble Bundle. Um, so definitely look at um, finding some preview pages for that and plus you'll be helping out charities and getting a shed load of comics. It's unreal the amount of comics you get for that. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Um, so there's some um, new books. Jen Bartel and Sam Humphreys are going to be um, releasing like a neon neon world of magic in Los Angeles called Blackbird. Uh, that looks great. Um, Michelle Fife is uh, is going to be doing Bloodstrike, um, Rob Leif- Liefeld's um, series, um, story, art and cover, all by Michelle Fife. Now, if you've read his uh, Copra issues, you'll know that he his style and his, um, his kind of leanings when it comes to over-the-top uh, storylines is really suited to Rob Liefeld's kind of 90s aesthetic so I'm really looking forward to diving into that. Uh, Chris Sabella who I love um, really loved all of his work he's coming back with uh, Crowded um, which was uh, well the first of two books actually he's got uh, he's got two books. Uh, Crowded uh, is the first one and um, 
with uh, co-created with Ted Brandt and Rose Stein, and it's a cynical send-up on the app economy and online grudges. Uh, so that sounds good. Dead Guy Fan Club by Annie Wu. Annie Wu is amazing. Um, Annie Wu is one of those buy on site um, creators. Um, so Dead Guy Fan Club, uh, founders of a rock stars fan club reuniting adulthood to investigate the suspicious death of their hero and the involvement of an unhinged member of their old flock. That sounds good, looks even better, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Dead Rabbit by Jerry Duggan and John McRae. Um, so De- uh, Jerry Duggan's going to be coming off the his Deadpool run. Um, and John, John McRae, um, who goes back many, many years with DC Comics um, on um, Hitman, uh, was, uh, was really good as well. This was one of the series that, um, that got me very excited uh, when I heard about it, um, purely because, um, you know, obviously there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of Image Expo comics coming out, um, but I love Jerry Duggan, um, really enjoy um, John McRae whenever, he's, uh, whenever you see his work. Um, but uh, it looks like a series about a hot-tempered, foul-mouthed former mercenary and gun-for-hire who's forced out of retirement with predictably funny and violent results. So the mashup of Jerry Duggan and John McRae uh, sounds really fascinating to me. That's coming in summer 2018, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, another one I'm really looking forward to is Death or Glory. Whenever I see a new recommender book, um, I'm always intrigued. I'm behind on so many recommender books. Um, Black Science, Deadly Class. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not caught up with them, but I absolutely love, uh, love his work, love his writing, loved his Marvel work on Uncanny Avengers. Um, and he's teaming up with Bengal, um, to, um, what uh, they're describing as a high-speed convoy crime thriller rocketing across the American West that examines our dwindling freedoms and the price paid by those who fight for an untethered life on the open road. So that's called Death or Glory. Uh, that looks brilliant as well. Um, just uh, going through a, a couple more. Um, Farmhand by Rob Guillory. Um, so he's um, from Chew. Um, he's you know, finished Chew uh, a year or two ago now. So he's diving into a new series called Farm- Farmhand, which is a family man, uh, follows a family man, Ezekiel Jenkins, um, who uh, returns to his family fields. But these nightmarish crops give a new meaning to ear of corn and fingerling potatoes. So he seems to be, uh, <laughs> Rob Guillory seems to be obsessed with um gross out food um so i'm really looking forward to that um t franklin um fresh from bingo love which is a brilliant brilliant book um is um bringing out a series uh with maria nguyen called duke joint um and it's a five issue period horror mini series about a brothel slash jazz club exposing the social evils of racism rape domestic violence and inequality i can i'm telling you now that's not coming out to october but i'm telling you now that is going to be one of the books of the year. That's going to be a book that you want to pick up, you want to be reading, you want to be following along with, and everyone's going to be talking about. Um, So hopefully um, a lot of these Image Expo books um, get delayed. You know, there's a lot of announcements that um, have kind of fallen by the wayside over the last few Image Expos. Um, You can look them up if you want to know more about them. Um, and which is unfortunate, but that looks um, that looks brilliant. I'm really hoping to to kind of see that. Todd McFarlane has dived back into comics in a major way. He's got five new series coming out. He's got uh, more Spawn. He's got Spawn versus Witchblade. Spawn kills everyone. Um, Salmon Twitch, new Salmon Twitch stuff, and Misery. Um, so uh, if you're interested in any of those, he uh, he's covering all of those as well. Um, and Oblivion Song. Um, they um, 
didn't announce it at uh, any image expo, but uh, Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo De Felici um, showed off Oblivion Song, and that's uh, that's coming out this week. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you can uh, you can pick up that. And finally, I just want to talk about um, Proxima Centauri by Farrell Dalrymple. Um, it's um, it's apparently meant to be set in the same world as the Wrenches, which was his book from two years ago, um, which really um, was fascinating, uh, fascinating read. Um, I want to reread that actually because I think uh, I read it the first time, didn't really absorb as much of it as I should do. But Proxima Centauri looks brilliant at six issue miniseries. Um, they've listed it as a psychedelic science fi- science fantasy action drama, so basically kind of every every genre covered. Um, and Farrell Dalrymple is a fascinating, fascinating creator. Like I love, love, love his pages. Um, the the art that he does is this kind of beautiful. Um, beautiful and ugly at the same time, really fascinatingly detailed, um, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Um, so Image Expo, there was a lot of um, a lot of other series. Um, Christopher Sabella and Joshua Hicks and the Shanghai Red, um, Son of Hitler by Anthony Del Col and Jeff McComsey, um, and um, there's there's many more. So if you want to find out about that, uh, any of those ones. Um, head over to image like search image expo imagecomics.com um, and just have a look um, and see um, see for yourself some of those fantastic announcements um, moving over to DC comics then DC has announced um, well DC has um, a new imprint coming up there's a couple of imprints uh, the first one is uh, was reported on by bleeding call uh, DC black label which is going to be a mature Readers superhero imprint, um, so um, R-rated X Elseworlds is how Bleeding Call put it, and they've had great success. I think um, DC has over the last year with mini series that dive into alternate universes and alternate worlds, and I think that was part of the meta narrative of Dark Knight's Metal, which is this idea that instead of being limited by fifty-two universes in the multiverse, which yeah we've got a map for, we've got a guidebook for, uh, we've already seen many of those worlds explored. So it's almost limiting you know the the amount of crea- creativity that you can you can do, uh, and some of the older Elseworlds titles were incorporated into those fifty-two worlds, but we know about all the worlds apart from like six or seven, which you know Grant Morrison left open for for new creators to kind of pick up on. Since then, we've had this. Um, over the last year or so, we've had well, sort of a mini explosion, really, of um, of Elseworld style books. So we've had ba- Batman White Knight, which is still coming out by Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race, which is uh, Frank Miller's latest um, instalment of the Dark Knight Returns saga, and Nightwing: New World Order. Um, and so they've all been exploring different, more like you know, quite mature themes. Um, like uh, Nightwing: New World Order was looking at an older Dick Grayson that had become this kind of fascist dictator uh, that had uh, eliminated all superheroes. So rumor is potentially that they would be incorporated under this new Black Label banner, um, and that hopefully we'd see a lot more freedom for creators to kind of explore these stories that don't necessarily fit in anywhere else. Um, so that's going to be exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. And there's also the Sandman universe. So um, Sandman was, um, I, you know, if you listen to this, you've probably already heard of Sandman, uh, which is this huge Vertigo series from Neil Gaiman run for 75 issues, plus extras, plus side um, side stories, one-shots, miniseries. Absolutely huge. They did Sandman... Um, Overture uh, last couple of years, which was um, Neil Gaiman with J.H. Williams III, and um, 
that was um, very successful as well, even though the, the delays to it meant a lot of people didn't, uh, didn't read it. But they're releasing um, a series of one-shots um, under a new imprint called Sandman Universe, which is all, a lot of creators, uh, artists and, art and writers are going to be diving into the sandbox, uh, so to speak, of the Sandman Universe, and they're going to be exploring um, characters and events and pick up story threads that were left behind from uh, the original Sandman comics. Um, I... I'm going to be 100% real with you. I've never really got into Sandman. I've never read the full run uh, of Sandman. I imagine I will someday. But I've heard, I've heard, obviously heard plenty of things about it and heard how seminal um, it is. But I've also heard a lot of people say if you didn't read it at the time or if you didn't read it when you're at that kind of age where you know, I'm 14 and this is deep kind of thing, then maybe you you wouldn't get uh, as much out of it uh, as you would have done back then. I still, I'm going to read it someday. Um, it's it's on the never-ending pile of comics to read. Um, but um, unfortunately, that I've just not not got around to it so far. But I am interested in this. The the art that's been coming out of it looks fantastic. Um, so I'm really interested in that. Um, and finally then, um, in news and kind of news leading into reviews, I want to talk about the Black Panther movie. So Black Panther is um, the latest Marvel Studios movie, um, directed by Ryan Coogler um, and starring Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Danai Gurira, uh, Martin Freeman, and a lot of other people. Uh, um, faces you'll recognise from dozens of things. Um, like I didn't even realise that Michonne was in it um, and I didn't recognise her with a bald head until um, she put on a wig in the, uh, in one of the best scenes in the film um, and recognised, I was like, oh, that's Michonne. Um, but this, uh, it's it's the best. I, th- I think it's safe to say it's the best Marvel film. Is it? It is, is it the best Marvel film? I think it is. I I knew I was going to love it going into it. I've seen, I saw all the trailers for it. The lead up to it has been immense. The hype has been real, very real. Um, but it didn't disappoint me. Um, it was a mixture of superheroes and James Bond and 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 all the best parts of kind of the Black Panther character that distilled into this into this epic kind of funny action filled drama filled um wonderful uh, wonderfully shot wonderfully kind of explored universe and world of Wakanda um, and uh, I thought that um, Chadwick Boseman was brilliant uh, Lupita Nyong'o was fantastic Michael B. Jordan was fantastic uh, they were all, uh, the whole cast was brilliant um, the the storyline was really um, fascinating to me like it was interesting to pick up on different uh, story threads and, and bits and bobs that um, that were that have been in the in the history of the comics uh, for many years now but seeing the Dora Milaje kind of kick all kinds of ass um, and uh, seeing um, Shuri um, and her amazing <laughs> amazing um, inventions and just her attitude and just such such a good film um, Andy Serkis, Forrest Whitaker, Angela Bassett, Winston Duke, Letitia Wright, uh, Daniel Kaluuya I mean every single one of them knocked it out of the park and um it was really good film um it's the um one of the highest grossing films of 2008 uh, 2018 obviously um it's um one of the fifth highest grossing film of all time so far it's uh, one of the biggest marvel movies um that have come out um it's um proving that you know african american culture is important it's relevant it's 
it's money making which um you know is unfortunately the only real thing that will make uh, executives open their eyes uh, in these kind of things but you know i don't need to tell you that representation matters i don't need to tell you that this film is important because of its diversity because of its um embracing of african culture because of its embracing of um of african american um cultures and beliefs and uh, attitudes and personalities and vibrancy and it's it's i don't need to tell you any of that because it, you should already know that and you should know how important it is just as um, how important wonder woman was last year for uh, for prominent female creators and 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 characters and stories this is absolutely uh, absolutely crucial and not only you know it, it's not uh, it, it's not a kind of a tick box it's not a kind of a yes you know yes okay we've done an african-american movie now it, it it didn't it didn't do that it it could they they could have easily done that and people would have been angry people would have been upset it would have been disappointing but instead they took it they ran with it they did this amazing film um that is amazing um it's an amazing superhero film it's an amazing action film um it's everything i wanted uh, from a black panther movie it's everything i want from marvel movies um and it's just it's regardless of it being important which is i do not say that lightly um i i speak obviously from a point of privilege um and so um you know take obviously what i say with a pinch of salt but is a brilliant brilliant film um and it's uh definitely worth seeing so if you haven't got that vibe from me yet um i did like it very much um yeah so uh that was that was my kind of mini review of black panther just wanted to kind of gush about it for a minute because i i did love it i've not had a chance to talk about it on the show um and i've pulled back a bit from from twitter and things so i've not really put any of my thoughts out there on the on the film um but i think it is potentially i've got a love for the avengers the first avengers movie just because it the build up to it was brilliant it kind of encapsulated everything i wanted from a superhero film uh, when it came out and it was um a realization of a dream of mine as a comics fan uh, a lifelong comics fan so potentially because of those reasons that would put that film at the top of my list um but as an actual movie as an actual experience as um a um, as a creative endeavor black panther is is superior and i think um i think it, it is objectively the best marvel film or the best film that marvel studios has released so far um so if you're still on the fence about it or if you still haven't seen it yet or if you're even if you're deciding that um you want to whether you want to spend that money to see it for a fifth sixth seventh time uh, and you just need that little bit of reassurance it is absolutely worth it i've only seen it once um i went to see it with a friend i've not seen it with my wife yet who's eager desperate to go see it so i'm going to be dragging her along at some point as well um but yeah brilliant brilliant film really enjoy it um so um i've run a little long with the news and um, so i'm going to dive into some reviews now um, and uh, reviews of comics that i've loved over the past um couple of weeks First up is The Terrifics. Now, um, The Terrifics is from DC Comics and it takes um, some disparate kind of characters from um, DC's rich kind of history, um, really diving into uh, the history as well, which we'll talk about. Um, and um, uh, it's uh, Rod Reese and um, who else? So who's the creative team on it? It's uh, Rodri's Jeff Lemire, and um, it's been a fantastic, fantastic um, start to it. Um, was it the um, was it the book I was expecting it to be? No. Um, is it 
the start of what I what a I will hope will be a, a fascinating series moving forward. Absolutely. Um, so the full rundown of who um, who created it then was Ivan Rice uh, and Jeff Lemire. Um, uh, not Rod Rice. What did I say? Rod Rice. Yeah, uh, Ivan Rice and uh, Jeff Lemire. Joe Prado is inking it. Marcello uh, Miolo was colorist. Uh, Tom Napolitano's letterers and um, uh, Rice and Mialo uh, was on cover. I am almost certain I've said 90% of those names wrong. So if any of you are listening or if any of you know how to properly say those names, I'm sorry that I've just butchered them. Um, but the Terrifics is, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to dance around it. It is picked up the pieces that Marvel have dropped with Fantastic Four uh, not being a regular concern. They you know, Marvel, I'm, I'm sure that Fantastic Four is coming back at some point. In fact, you know, the groundwork has already been laid, been laid for it. However, they've they've dropped it. They've dropped it like it's hot. And uh, DC Comics, when they first announced the Terrifics, um, they really leaned into um, the uh, the idea of this being, um, the Terrifics being a, um, a riff on the Fantastic Four. So you've got Four heroes with, between them, they've got a very similar power set to Fantastic Four. You've not got the, the leader who is a stretchy guy. You've not got a guy that turns into flames. You've not got a rock monster. But what you have got is you've got, um, a, a woman who has uh, intangibility powers. You've got a smart, um, super smart, super genius, uh, leader of the group. Um, you've got a, a funny one and a serious one, uh, a funny one and a straight one playing off each other. You've got someone with stretchy powers. You've got someone that is the muscle, that is kind of a, um, that is, uh, you know, the kind of the thing kind of character. And, and they have a, um, a team dynamic that is very similar to Fantastic Four. The, the feel of the series, the cosmic scope of the series is the same. Um, and this issue concerned itself with the Dark Multiverse. It very much is a follow-on from Dark Knight's Metal, although I don't think you need to read Dark Knight's Metal to, to understand this at all. There are a few bits that it touches on, like the idea that Plastic Man has been reawakened uh, following the events of Dark Knight Metal and following the events of the first half of this of this issue, um, and that the Dark Multiverse is this new thing that um, supervillains are eager to tap into. Uh, which is uh, what Simon Stagg, the old metamorpho villain, um, is um, is is playing at, at in the first few um, the first scene of the book. Um, Mister Terrific um, is you know obviously very close to Mister Fantastic in idea, in concept, and in uh, name, um, and taking these four characters, bringing them together over the next couple of issues, and really then letting them loose as a cosmic team of adventurers is what the first arc is about. So you don't get that instant gelling of the team. Um, this is more of an origin of the Terrifics, how these four characters come together. Um, so you're really going to be seeing um, these characters exploring their uh, new dynamic, exploring the new status quo. Um, and by the end of the issue, there's a return of a character um, called Tom Strong uh, that is uh, an Alan Moore creation that has not been incorporated into the main DC universe before, um, which is a whole other debate <laughs> for another time um, about how you think Alan Moore's creations are uh, treated by DC Comics. However, he's there at the end of the issue. Again, I don't really know that much about Tom Strong, if I'm being 100% real, um, but that is going to be um, that's going to be where the story is moving forward, at least for this arc. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was my it was the favourite 
but it was my favourite of DC's New Age of Heroes. So similar kind of concept to Fresh Start from Marvel is um, is DC's uh, New Age of Heroes with uh, a bunch of brand new number ones. But instead of Marvel going back to the well, DC is moving in moving forward uh, with varying success, if I'm honest. Um, so they've had uh, Damage, they've had Silencer, and now they've had the Terrifics. Uh, Silencer is good. Um, Silencer is, uh, is an interesting um, series, uh, and that is um, by uh, John Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett, um, and that follows um, this uh, assassin that is being pulled back into the game, and that's that's really interesting. Um, uh, Damage hasn't established itself really as a unique um, IP. Um, it's it's very Hulk, very incredible Hulk based. This kind of ma this man, this monster, um, which obviously wasn't wasn't Hulk, but it suits the themes that are going on here. Yeah, so it's it feels a bit like that. So um, it hasn't grabbed me as much. But the Terrifics is is great. Terrifics feels very much like a rebirth uh, book. Uh, it feels very much in line with the rebirth aesthetic, which is taking something old and making it new again. And rediscovering it, and rediscovering these characters, rediscovering this concept that admittedly wasn't DCs to begin with. Um, but you know, they're no stranger to a superheroic team of uh, explorers and imaginauts. You know, they've had challenges of the unknown in the past. Uh, they've had uh, you know Jack Kirby's work with Forever People and things like that. So they're used to super teams on cosmic adventures. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 really enjoying Terrifics. Uh, so that's a good series. Also from DC Comics, I mean, I think DC's knocking it out of the park at the moment. Um, they've had Dark Knight's Metal, which I'll talk about a bit more with Wes when that series comes to an end. That has been bizarre and brilliant. Um, and it is, you know, we're, we're, we're at a time now where DC is bringing out Dark Knight's Metal as well as uh, Doom Patrol and Justice League crossover Milk Wars. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about the final part of that series, uh, a series of one shots really, but um, but it's actually you know one cohesive whole story. And they had JLA Doom Patrol number one uh, a few weeks ago. Now they've got Doom Patrol and JLA number one, which is uh, part five of the Milk Wars um, event. And it's been weekly, so over the last month and a bit, we've been uh, getting a new issue every week. Each one is a crossover. So Doom Patrol and JLA were the were the start and end pieces, the Alpha and Omega of the event. Um, but we also had um, Wonder Woman and Shade the Changing Girl. We had Car Cave Carson and Swamp Thing. And we had um, Mother Panic and Batman. Um, all of them great in their own separate ways. Uh, I think Cave Carson and Swamp Thing was probably my favourite one. Uh, followed closely by um, the uh, Shade Changing Girl and Wonder Woman and then followed by uh, Mother Panic and Batman. I am a little behind on some of these. I've not read as much Cave Carson as I'd like to. I've not read as much uh, Shade the Changing Girl as I'd like to, but I got the concepts, I got the characters straight away. Surprisingly for a series of issues that is feels extremely impenetrable, this is no one's first comic, you know, um, that old adage that every comic is someone's first. I'm sure someone picked this up and it is their first ever comic. It has, like, you know, statistically, I'm sure that has happened. However, it is not the best opening uh, start for uh, for getting you into comics uh, or getting you into DC comics. There's a lot of deep cuts in here that flew over my head uh, because I'm relatively new, only in the last five or six years or so, relatively new to DC comics. Um, and so there's there's references to um, classic Doom Patrol run, there's references to the multiversity, uh, the maps there, there's references to um, 
to to many other things there's references to old jla ones there's a lot of morrison there's a lot of grant morrison influences in this uh, in this series which again is right up my street so what i have read of uh, dc comics i've read a lot of multiversity i've read a lot of um read a lot of grant morrison stuff um, and i loved this run i love this event and i love this this specific issue uh, which was absolutely brilliant it was steve orlando and gerard way was uh, the writers on this issue dale eaglesham was the illustrator of the main story nick derrington illustrated uh, nick derrington illustrated the epilogue and if you uh how do you describe Milk wars how do you even begin to describe it there's a an evil agency called retcon which is rewriting the dc universe to homogenize it to make it more palatable to make it more milk toast to make it more bland and mundane so that it can be taken over uh by manga khan this old jla villain um so that's kind of the overarching concept of it however what that means uh, diving into it is a whole other kettle of fish and i found with this with this series that a reread is almost essential uh, to go back over it um but also if you just go with the flow like you kind of roll with it um if you try and break down all the different parts it's like some of the more crazier episodes of doctor who like a lot of the um the the big kind of world building episodes um of doctor who the crazy matt smith episodes that would unpick time and rewrite time and go over and over these moments and and change characters evolve characters move pieces on the board at a lightning fast pace and what you thought you know you don't know and that's very much what happens in um, in jla doom patrol but there's also a through line of optimism there's a, a through line of heroes will always win and the good guys will always conquer and there's this feeling that positivity and being the best version of yourself whatever that may be um is the only way that you'll get through this world and um that's such a, a wonderful message uh, just being yourself being being crazy being abnormal being being out there being yourself um and that's okay and not only is that okay that's the only way you can be um and that's such a such a wonderful message of positivity that the doom patrol has been embracing uh, in this new in this new iteration uh, in this new series um and uh gerard way and steve orlando are two brilliant creators um comics creators especially and so having them collaborate on this on this series has been wonderful the um dale eaglesham's art has was crazy nick derrington's art is is gorgeous and and just brilliant as well um so that was um milk wars uh the end which was uh the doom patrol jla crossover issue uh that ended the five-part milk wars event uh finally for my reviews then i want to talk about is this guy for real which is uh the full name is is this guy for real the unbelievable andy kaufman by box brown all i really knew of uh, of andy kaufman um was the um uh, sorry this is the first second book by the way uh, first second graphic novel um that came out this month um and it's a biography of uh, of andy kaufman all i really knew of andy kaufman was the jim carrey movie man on the moon um i um was too young for his exploits on uh, taxi and uh, saturday night live and and on all of his um his other work that he produced um and also 
didn't come across to the UK that much, didn't translate into anything major over in the UK. Um, so my only real experience well, with the, um, the man that was Andy Kaufman was through the Man on the Moon movie. And it was interesting um, reading this um, biography because it took a very, a much more sympathetic look on, at Andy Kaufman. I feel as though the Man on the Moon film painted quite a um, negative image of the man. Um, and the, the follow-up documentary that Jim Carrey has released through Netflix, I've not watched yet, but again, there's a very negative tone to that, almost as though being Andy Kaufman for so long had a very negative impact on Jim Carrey's life. Again, I haven't seen it. I really want to, I really want to watch it, really want to, um, you know, kind of experience that and have my own opinions on it rather than base my opinions on a trailer. Um, however, that's what the trailer seemed to imply that was getting, coming across, that it really had detrimental effect on Jim Carrey. And again, that almost feels as though that's um, part and parcel of being Andy Kaufman, where in actual fact what Box Brown does is not only directly touch on that part of his life, you know, the, the release of the movie and the, the attitude that the movie had, but also go back over his career and his life and his um, his upbringing and really explore what the man what the man was like and again um you're never going to have a full complete picture of of the man uh, unless you knew him um intimately you knew him uh, you knew him personally uh, however i really like box brown's um style love his andre the giant book love his tetris book um and uh, those are really worth exploring if you haven't read those previously the the history of the of the uh, tetris um game is fascinating and this feels very much like the Andre the Giant um, Life and Legend book, um, which explores a very famous, very well-known individual um, and kind of brings up another side to them, you know, explores this more personal, more intimate side to him. And that's what Box Brown's style very much is. Um, he's got a, a cartoon, a very kind of loose cartoon style, um, he's got more, almost an impressionist style in some um, in some panels. Um, it's not meant to be uh, photorealistic. It's not meant to be um, exact uh, replicas of events. More, it's it captures a mood. It captures a feeling. Um, and I really, really love Box Brown's work. Again, another creator I'd love to talk to on the show. Um, and I've really enjoyed uh, reading about Andy Kaufman's life, his career, the um, the rise of um, amateur wrestling um, as well. Wrestling, as you remember from the last episode, is something I'm kind of really diving into, really getting into, uh, thanks to the conversation with Lampitz. Um, if you've not listened to that show, go back and listen to it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but this, Box Brown is clearly a wrestling fan because uh, obviously Andre the Giant was uh, was the biography of Andre the Giant, the, uh, the wrestler. And Andy Kaufman, a lot of Andy Kaufman's career and where his um where his influences came from was very much um dictated by his love of wrestling uh, and so that's a big part of the book and um it was it was fascinating it there was it certainly dived into Andy Kaufman's character Andy Kaufman's personality uh, a lot more than the man on the moon series did the man on the moon uh, film the man on the moon film felt very much like um it was presenting Andy Kaufman as this force of nature that uh, other people could only react to. Whereas here, it's Box Brown is including his motivations a little bit more, pe- peeking behind the curtain a little bit more, and explaining that 
you know, yes, this this man set himself up as a heel, set himself up as a as a bad guy, as a as a distasteful character. But that's all it was at the end of the day. It was a character, and the only reason he could be so good at taking on that role is because he his actual personality, the the person he actually was, was so different and so disassociated from from who that character online persona was. He explored the ideas of you know if you're watching a wrestling match and you're watching stand-up comedy, um, they're two very visceral experiences like you have reactions to watching them if you're a fan of of either of those concepts so if you watch wrestling you're cheering for the good guys booing the bad guys and in stand-up comedy you're laughing or you're not laughing you know your your reaction or lack of a reaction very much dictates what you think of or you know whether you enjoy that performance and so Andy Kaufman liked to blur the lines uh, he you know he was very much like right well if <laughs> if you boo for a heel in wrestling why why do you not have that same reaction to a heel in real life? Um, and so he explored that concept by pushing the boundaries of what was real and what was not, taking this persona, this character, um, too far, some would say, but also further than anyone has ever gone before. So I reading this reading this book, um, I went back and watched some of his performances on YouTube, which you can find. Uh, there's a specific um, section of the book which looks at his um, his performance as um, Elvis and taking off on this kind of uh, lacquer character that he, he performed through Taxi, but bringing it on to um, a, a talk show. So he became this, uh, you know, nervous, shy uh, introverted person doing really bad impressions of, um, you know, intentionally bad impressions of um, of TV personalities, but then saying, right, this is my impression of Elvis, and taking an obnoxious amount of time to get himself prepared for it, and then just becoming Elvis and just doing this perfect rendition of Elvis. And then, you know, it's then you realise through watching it that the whole thing has been a performance. You know, the you your assumptions of what is real and what is comedy and what is, you know, this is, quote-unquote, the start of the bit, this is the end of the bit. You realise those lines don't exist for Andy. Uh, you realise that he was a personality and he was a comedian and he was a performer that um, embraced the very nature of what it is to perform and the very nature of of audience participation and audience expectation, subverting those uh, those around as well. Was he a perfect guy? No, you know, was a lot of what he did with kind of wrestling women that it was very suspect. And and the book doesn't shy away from that. Um, but at the same time, it um it doesn't it doesn't drive it home. It doesn't kind of uh, dive into that kind of potentially seedier side of his of his fetishistic kind of personality. However. You know the 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 book itself is is brilliant. Um, I certainly have a, a different impression of Andy Kaufman than when I went into the book. Um, it makes me want to explore um, some of his more some of his performances uh, from the past, and I I can't recommend it enough. Um, so definitely, um, is this guy for real? Um, the unbelievable Andy Kaufman uh, by Box Brown from First Second Publishers uh, is definitely worth worth reading. Speaking of books, then um, the the last part of the um, the episode, I want to dive into um, a um, a kind of a sub a subset of um, of my reading uh, that I've had 
for a number of years now. Like I absolutely love comic books, as you may have guessed by the fact that I have been talking now for over an hour uh, on a podcast that is dedicated to comic books. Um, and so whenever a new novel that explores the history of comic book comes out, uh, I'm always fascinated to um, to read it, to pick it up, to dive into it and to see um, what it's um, what it's all about. And that was true of Comic Shop um, by Dan Guerino. Uh, and its full title is Comic Shop, The Retail Mavericks Who Gave Us a New Geek Culture. Now, I heard about this book from um, a few um, a few podcasts that I follow. So War Rocket Ajax with Chris Sims and uh, Matt Wilson uh, had Dan on the show to talk about Comic Shop. And he was also a guest on David Harper, ex-Multiversity Comics alum. Um, David Harper, um, his off-panel podcast, talked with Dan uh, in a little bit further detail about his experience with comics, his experience with um, the world of business and uh, his exploration, the journey he went on uh, writing this novel, writing this book. And um, I'm only a few chapters into it. I'm only I'm about, probably about a third of the way through it, to be honest. And um, it's gripping. I uh, wish I had more time to read it. But what I've, in, what I've read of it so far, I've really enjoyed. And um, it basically picks up on um, themes and issues uh, that other novels that I've read about uh, have touched on. Um, and I'll go into those shortly in a minute. But um, the the idea um, behind Comic Shop is looking at the growth of comics as uh, not just as a medium, but as an industry and looking behind the scenes at the, the men and women that helped cultivate this um, this culture and help cultivate this this um, business model for comic shops and very, very bizarre ecosystem that is um that is comic shops and is the direct market and um dan garino is is um one of the you know a, a perfect person to to explore this since he's a business reporter um, and so he he takes this almost outsider perspective an outsider look uh, this kind of louis theroux diving into this this un, uh, this unusual world um, and really shines a light on the fact that this is not how business is usually run, or at least this is not how successful businesses operate, um, which is not the comic shop's fault. It is very much the fault of the um, the direct market um, specifically, but also generally the the relationship, the skewed relationship that has been developed between um, comic shops and specifically big two publishers, DC and Marvel. Um, and how that business model developed is fascinating. The people that were responsible for bringing it to where it is now, the growth of Diamond and the direct market, the direct market, um, and just uh, Dan's writing style is very easily accessible, and it's very much um, if you know nothing about how comics uh, are developed, how the comics industry has grown over the last few, um, over the you know the last. 40, 50 decades, uh, 40, four or five decades, 40, 50 years. Um, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an easy book to pick up because you don't need to have that prior knowledge. Dan breaks it all down for you, uh, dives into um, uh, what, what it is uh, that keeps this engine running, even though by all rights uh, it shouldn't. You know, comic shops should fail, and unfortunately comic shops do fail a lot of the time, but... There are comic shops that are successful. There are comic shops that don't fail, that do thrive. And Dan explores why that is and how that's possible in a business model that shouldn't work. 
Um, and that's not to be negative or, you know, to be disparaging to those people that are out there doing everything they can to make comic shops work. They are just part of a flawed system um, or a system that is almost feels as though it's worked against them. It's designed to put them on the back foot before they've even started. And one of the things that Dan mentions is the idea that for comic shops to thrive now, they almost need to have a substantial capital behind them to maintain their maintain them for the first 18 months, two years, which is something that most businesses don't can't factor in, you know, small businesses specifically, which is what a lot of comic shops are. There aren't any national franchises for comic books in America. Over here in the UK, we've got Forbidden Planet, um, and that has become more and more dominant as, as smaller comic shops wane and um, die off. Um, and so it's interesting that they that there isn't a business model like that in America. However, um, it would be, again, it would be potentially even more unsustainable uh, than it would be over here. So it's fascinating. It's a great book. Uh, again, as I say, I've not completely read it yet. Um, it's not going to, I can't imagine it falling off the rails and being a terrible book by the end of it. Um, but if you're interested in that kind of aspect of comics history, um, then definitely pick it up. There are other books that um, that Dan mentions um, in the back matter to this book, which I'm going to pick up as well. Um, they're look like they're out of print but um, they're books that I definitely want to um, dive into. Uh, one of them is, see if I can find the name of it, uh, let's have a look. Um, there is one that is Rebel Visions, The Underground Comics Revolution uh, by um, Patrick Rosencrantz uh, which was a 2003 Fantagraphics book uh, which is looks brilliant. There's Will Eisner's Shop Talk which is released from Dark Horse in 1991. Uh, that looks great as well. And there was a third, but I can't quite um, can't quite see it at the moment. Can't quite see where it's referencing. Oh yeah, Ron Goulart's Great History of Comic Books. So those are three books that um, Dan specifically mentions in the earlier chapters as uh, resources that he used when he was writing the book. And whenever I read a non-fiction book like this, I'm always interested in where their research took them. Um, and so I'll be once I've read, finished reading Comic Shop, I'll be picking up those books and diving into those as well. And then, you know, hopefully that will snowball. Those books will have recommendations and, and you know, kind of get into that kind of thing. But as for me, um, there's been a few books that I want to highlight based on the fact that I really enjoyed Comic Shop. If you want to pick up Comic Shop, it's just been released. Um, you can get it now for um, for relatively uh, relatively cheap. Um, it's, um, it's a hardback, small hardback book. But... If you're interested in this kind of history of comics, there are another couple of books that I can recommend to you. Um, the first of which is if you're um, if you're in if you've you know if you've been interested in the history of, um, of of comic books and the rise of comic books as a culture, there's almost no um, no chance that you've not heard of um, Sean Howe's book Marvel Comics: The Untold Story. Um, however, there's a reason it's um, you know, kind of the behemoth in the field, really, of, of this, because it's a fascinating, thoroughly researched history of Marvel Comics. And through Marvel Comics, the uh, the exploration of the the growth and the cyclical rise and fall of comic books over, over the last uh, 60 or 70 years, it does focus more on the publisher, obviously, because it's called Marvel Comics, The Untold Story. So where Comic Shop picks up um, the, the industry, uh, the growth of the industry as a whole... Um, that like that's why Comic Shop is a good follow-up to Marvel Comics: The Untold Story, um, because uh, Marvel Comics 
uh, Sean Howe's book picks uh, looks at um, the rise, the 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 growth of Marvel Comics uh, from its very humble beginnings through to the the multimedia blockbuster behemoth that it is today. Um, and um, but it focuses very much on Marvel Comics specifically, whereas Dan Garino's comic shop. Um, touches on those those elements but also dives into the industry as a whole but Sean Howe's book is I would say essential reading um if you're interested in comic books in any way if you're not just kind of I mean you know not just but if you if you're only interested in reading comics um then it, it may not interest you but I still think that even if you've only ever read um superhero comics or you've only ever read some comics this is a fascinating must read book um that i found indispensable i've read it twice now um i am overdue a reread um and especially reading comic shop it's reminded me how much i love reading these books uh these kind of history books so uh, marvel comics the untold story is um is definitely um one of those books that i will go back to again and again and will always find something new and in a weird way as well it talks about these comics in such a personal way you know talks about Chris Claremont and Steve Buscemi and uh, Roy Thomas and Jim Shooter and you know all of these creators through uh, the 60s 70s 80s 90s and um, you know in a weird way it it gets you more invested in those comics and especially with things like Marvel Unlimited and Comixology sales and things, uh, those classic Marvel comics have never been more accessible. Uh, even in print, like the epic collections that Marvel's putting out at the moment as well, those are books that um, you know you can find easily now, whereas you used to have to dive through back issue bins, uh, something that obviously Dan Garino picks up on in uh, Comic Shop. Um, but you can you'll find those fascinating um, comics. Um, almost recommendations in Marvel Comics Untold Story because it will pick up on Jim Starlin's uh, cosmic stuff, Chris Claremont's X-Men, uh, Ditko's Spider-Man, Kirby's Fantastic Four with Stan Lee, and uh, all those kind of books, you know, moving forward through the 80s with Jim Shooter and Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, uh, and then into the 90s with the rise of uh, Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld, um, and then through the boom and bust uh, of the industry, uh, via you know through the lens of Marvel Comics, how it affected them, drove them to bankruptcy, um, drove them to dividing their their multimedia assets up amongst like Sony, Fox, and all that stuff, and you know um, elements and consequences of which we're still um, feeling today. Um, and so that's that's a brilliant book, and if you're interested in that kind of thing, I definitely recommend that. Similarly to Marvel Comics, the Untold Story is uh, Grant Morrison's Super Gods. Now, um, when we spoke to Kieran Sheak on the show, he mentioned that he didn't quite gel with Super Gods. It wasn't the book that, um, you know, if I'm putting words in his mouth, forgive me, uh, but he mentioned that it wasn't the um, the book that he was expecting it was going in. Um, and that's, I definitely agree with that. Um, it's It wasn't what I was expecting. Coming fresh off the heels of Marvel Comics Untold Story, I sought out other books of its like and thought, like, what other, com- what other, you know, books that are based around the 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 growth of the comics industry and the uh, the birth of uh, birth and evolution of comics uh, as a medium and stumbled upon Grant Morrison's Super Gods. Um, I love Grant Morrison; he's my favourite creator. Um, and so it was uh, an instant purchase for me as soon as I saw it. Um, it's it is and it isn't um, a good follow up to Marvel Comics Sean Howe's book. 
Um, firstly, it dives more into DC Comics, um, the history of DC Comics, um, and um, the rise of British comics as well, because obviously that's where Grant Morrison's from, or that, where Grant Morrison's roots uh, were based, his professional roots. Um, but what it also does really is um, it is a sort of autobiography of Grant Morrison, so it very much... It, it's it's designed or it's it's styled itself as a kind of oral history of comics, um, but it is very specific to Grant Morrison's experiences. Which you know you'd you on the one hand you might go well it's written by Grant Morrison so of course it's going to be, um, but in a way that Sean Howe and Dan Garino have taken an objective almost objective you know as objective as you can be reporter journalistic style. Um, of approach to looking at this history as as a medium from a from an outsider's perspective, Grant Morrison um, dives into the history of comics through his eyes. So there are chapters that are dedicated to the comics industry and dedicated to specifically DC comics around the eighties um, and nineties. So talking about Vertigo and uh, talking about the the British invasion of um, of British creators. Um, across into uh, DC Comics, um, but also um, it, there are chapters dedicated to his life and his upbringing and his his family life, his his influences, his early days writing comics for uh, for newspapers and for 2000 AD, um, and so it's a very personal take. Um, so Sean Howe and Dan Garino, uh, Sean Howe specifically is not directly involved in his in his writing. You know he is. He is the narrator, uh, purely just um, a reporter of this of these events. Dan Guirino talks a little bit more about his experiences, like he frames the book around his um, his trips to the Laughing Ogre and um, and things like that. Especially um, you know in the early chapters, at least anyway, of what I read. Um, but Grant Morrison very much talks about his personal experiences and how. He influenced the industry and how the industry influenced him, how he was a part of these, um, you know, these earth, earth shattering, you know, industry revolutionising moments like the rise of Vertigo, the British invasion, uh, moving into the 90s and the boom and bust period. So he covers a lot of ground that Sean Howe covers in Marvel Comics, um, but more from a DC comic standpoint, um, as it's, you know, that's where. Grant Morrison's experiences were and so we follow that history but we follow it through down the path that Grant Morrison walks so we you know obviously we hear about the British invasion obviously we hear, we hear about Vertigo comics but we only hear about those because Grant Morrison was a part of them and so things that Grant Morrison wasn't a part of doesn't don't get as much of a showing so it's not a thorough and complete history of uh, or complete encapsulation of that moment in comics history rather it is a um a one involved creator one creator's involvement in that work i still think it's it's, it's equally fascinating as as marvel comics the untold story and it's still a, a brilliant book if you enjoy grant morrison's work you enjoy his writing and you want to know more about his his influences his beliefs his expectations his um his reactions to not only his work but um but um, the the reactions that his work has garnered in the public and the critics' eyes, um, and you want to know more about how 
how and why he developed the comics that he developed, that's definitely a book for you. Um, and it's definitely a book that's worth reading. Um, apart from that, um, as actual physical books goes, those are the only ones I've, um, I've touched on. I'm sure there are plenty more out there. If you have recommendations, absolutely, definitely let me know. I'm desperate to, to kind of read more of those. Um, however, moving into the digital realm, um, obviously there's panel by panel by, um, by Haas and, um, and the plethora of creators and, and writers that are, are getting involved in that. And that's definitely worth checking out because they are, uh, each issue is a, a microcosm of um, of, uh, of of comics criticism, you know. So it has everything you need in that one issue. It has comic book reviews. It has opinion pieces. It has editorials. It has um, interviews. It has um, previews. It has comics themselves in there, um, and it um, it explores the comics uh, criticism space perfectly. Um, I've recommended that on the show before. We've had Hass on the show before. We've had uh, Dennis Camp on the show before who contributes to it. Um, and it, it's, you know, I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm not going to go on about it more. I also wrote about it at the, uh, the turn of a new year for multiversitycomics.com, which you can check out as well. Um, but similarly, I want to talk about Sequart. Um, now, Sequart.org, uh, S-E-Q-U-A-R-T, Sequart.org, um, has um, been one of my go-to uh, websites for many years now and they release um, digital books uh, I think they do them um, in print as well but I've only ever seen them digitally uh, I've picked up quite a few myself and they have um, they are books which are essays or explorations or criticism or um, reviews of specific um, stories so they've had a Grant Morrison book they've had one about Chris Claremont's X-Men They've had one about Casanova, the uh, Matt Fraction series. They've had one uh, looking into specifically, they've had one that looks at Warren Ellis's body of work, his oeuvre. They've looked at, um, they've looked at uh, Transmetropolitan as a specific body of work. There's been, store, there's been um, books that explore Grant Morrison's life, but then also dive into specific works of his, such as Dean Patrol and uh, Grant, his, his Batman run. Uh, there's been one on um, the Legion of Superheroes, essays on the Legion of Superheroes, which was fascinating, which was brilliant. Uh, X-Men from state, from uh, page to screen, from comics to screen. Um, and then um, essays on Watchmen and uh, The Killing Joke, which are Alan Moore's uh, big superhero works as well. Those are, again, I think they're pretty essential. Um, they require a understand an understanding of the the comics that they're talking about at least a cursory read of the comics that they're talking about so i feel like if you um if you haven't read grant morrison's batman there's no real reason to read the book that they taught that like the, it's called the anatomy of zirin r uh, by cody walker um, and it's got an interview with grant morrison in there as well it's a brilliant it's a brilliant uh, book that explores grant morrison's batman in um, in ways that um you know, I, I never realised how deep and involved that, that series was. It gave me a greater appreciation of the comic appreciation of the comics. Um however, I don't think I would have appreciated this book and what it does for my understanding of the comics had I not read the comics first. And that's very true of a lot of um a lot of these sequart books because they do dive into the minutiae of um these these works and these creators. So unless you have um an appreciation of those creators and works it's not i would say 
go off and do that before you pick these books up. However, if you have read those, if you have, if you are a comics reader and you want to explore those, um, those your favourite series or explore comics criticism and journalism, and um, you know, explore the 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 work themselves, explore the creators behind the scenes, and explore the meta. Uh, the metaphysical, not metaphysical, the um, the metatextual um, uh, information that these comics put out there in the world. These books are great; they're perfect for that. Sequat also does articles online. Some of these books are collections of those articles, um, and a lot of these books are written specifically for that format. Um, so I definitely recommend um, picking those up. They are um, it's a great website. It's a great resource to dive into. Um, and it's, it's something to recommend. Very briefly, um, final point, the last few places I recommend are Tomorrow's Publishings. Um, so they do back issues, they do Alter Ego, they do Tomorrow's. Um, those are digital uh, magazines as well. I think you can get physical copies, but I've never I've never seen them in comic shops over here. Um, but you can get them all through an app that, that they do. They do an app for, uh, for your iPad or, or Android or whatever. And, uh, and there's the website as well, which you can buy them digitally on there. Those are great. Those are oral, um, you know, they're from the from the horse's mouth, um, telling retellings of, of comics history, um, comics origins, the um, the rise of certain countercultures and subcultures within subgenres within comics, um, creators behind the scenes, industry um, developments, um, and and specific issues, specific series, specific runs. Um, and that dives into those as well. So again, feel like C similarly with Sequart, um, you you need to have like an appreciation and an understanding of the comics they're talking about, or at least um, have um, have a, a kind of a cursory knowledge of, of what they're developing. Um, whereas the books that I recommended, so Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, Comic Shop, and Super Gods, you don't really need to know anything going in because they they bring it all to the forefront for you. These are more resources for you to further expand your appreciation of reading uh, these comics. Uh, so definitely, if you're interested in any of that, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and, uh, you know, on that note, I think I'll uh, I'll end my, my talk in there. My throat is going a little bit dry. I don't think I've spoken this much in uh, weeks <laughs> to anyone. I don't think even my wife has heard me waffle on this much. Um, but if you are, if you have stayed with me if you're still listening uh, to this now thank you so much for for joining me um i don't feel alone um when i'm uh, when i'm sat here talking with you um i'm uh, i'm surrounded by um by friends and listeners so so thank you for joining me on that um i'd love you to get in touch uh, i'd love you to reach out to me let me know what you'd like um I mean, let me know what you don't like, but don't be too harsh about it, you know. Um, let me uh, let me know um, what you want to see more of in uh, in this podcast. If you've got recommendations for books that explore comics history and um, you know the the industry, definitely hit me up with those. I'm eager to uh, to expand my reading list with those. Um, and and that's it really. You can you can reach out to me um, via Twitter at Matt Loon M A W T L U N E. Um, as that's my name. Um, you can reach out to the show at That's The Issue. Um, and uh, Wes isn't here at the moment, but he always wants you to reach out to him. Um, you can reach out to him at Geek Who Landed or on his website, geekwholanded.com. You can uh, email the show if um, the uh, the limit, whatever the limit on it is on Twitter now, is it 280? Um, whatever that limit is, you can um, 
if that's too short for you, you can email the show. Uh, that's the issue podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can leave us comments on uh, the multiversity.com articles. You can uh, stream the show, download the show uh, on multiversitycomics.com. Um, myself and Wes, uh, I know I speak for both of us when I say we are proud to be a part of the Multiversity uh, podcast network with fantastic shows um, such as Make My Multiversity, such as Comic Syllabus, such as the DC3 cast and uh, the uh, the granddaddy of them all, Robots from Tomorrow. Um, if, you, uh, if you like my my podcast, my small podcast here, you'll absolutely love those. Um, so definitely uh, dive into those. There's some excellent writing, um, some reviews, long-form essays, um, evergreen uh, reviews of classic, uh, more um, older work, older comics works on multiversitycomics.com. There's uh, interviews, previews, uh, everything you want. Um, Multiversity Comics is growing and it's getting bigger and better. It's previously Eisner-nominated as a, as a website, so the fact that it's only getting better um, proves the calibre of, uh, of writing that, at, uh, or my personal um, my personal opinion on the, uh, the calibre of the comics writing there as well. Um, so definitely uh, hit that site up. As for us, you can find us on Multiversity, of course. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts if you find us there. Again, every podcast is going to tell you to um, subscribe and leave a review. If you do, I'm eternally grateful. If you write a review on, on Apple Podcasts, um, a favourable review uh, that you want, that you're happy to have read out, I'll, I'll read it out on the show. Um, and um, it helps us to grow, helps us get uh, more recognised. I'd love to, um, I'd love to grow. Uh, all, all I want for this podcast is to reach as many people as we can and really engage in conversation with you. As, as readers, as listeners and as fans. Um, so that's it for me. I'm going to stop waffling now. I'm going to go get myself a glass of water to, uh, to ease my throat. <laughs> but, uh, but thank you so much for joining me and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.